Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris Akomi Joust, welcoming you back to another episode. Week 13 is almost upon us. Can you believe it? Week 13, the final week of the fantasy football regular season. I cannot believe it. We made it. We're all the way here. Hopefully your teams are either in a playoff spot or vying to get that last playoff spot. Um, so, I mean, these these wins this week are going to be uh, valuable, to say the least. I mean, position is always, always a play in fantasy football. But, I mean, getting those first-round buys, just getting into the postseason, I mean, this is huge. We want to all compete for that championship trophy. Hopefully uh, my effort in, in predicting has uh, assisted you, my uh, my knowledge of the game. Hopefully that has assisted you. Uh, I want to see the comments come in saying that you guys are in the playoffs and potentially winning uh, championships. That would be fantastic. But, I mean, week 12, let's let's jump into that first. Week 12, we, ha- we saw a lot of uh, uh, issues because of COVID-19. I mean, it, it almost it almost ruined the week, especially with the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers game. That game had to be played on Wednesday. When have we ever seen a Wednesday afternoon contest because of uh, anything happening to derail the schedule? We haven't. Um, it was interesting to say the least. I mean, but at least we got all the games in. Uh, the Denver Bronco thing was kind of interesting to me. So uh, the flip was why was the I mean, I saw a lot of angry comments, a lot of angry people on Twitter saying, why is the NFL catering to the Baltimore Ravens in this instance when they had such an outbreak? Uh, Why do they keep postponing the game? That game was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving, never was, ended up being played on this past Wednesday. But then the the Denver Broncos situation where all their quarterbacks went into isolation because of contact tracing because someone tested positive in that group, and, and they forced them to play on that same Sunday, didn't postpone that match. So there's, there's two schools of thought that I was kind of going through because I was confused also. And I mean, uh, it, it, it can't be about the fact that Lamar Jackson is the one of the stars in the NFL and the league was trying to make it so that they would have a full roster because the, the Ravens didn't have that. I mean, they, they were definitely shorthanded. We saw how many players of uh, a key nature on their squad were out. I mean, that was a big deal. But but for the Broncos' perspective, I mean, uh, telling them they had to play with a practice squad uh, special teamer, former college quarterback, uh, to, to play his first game with no practice reps because of this. I mean, yeah, we see a little discrepancy. I'm still confused on it. I mean, the only rational thought is that the NFL is doing their darndest to not have a week 18. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of is uh, the Ravens simply didn't have enough pieces at that point to play the game even on the Monday or the Tuesday. Uh, Tests were still being positive, so maybe that had uh, came into play as well. Uh, Denver didn't have continuous outbreak testing, so then they said, well, you know what, you broke protocol. That's what I'm hearing is that they broke protocol um, and they weren't wearing masks in their meeting room in the quarterback room. So maybe that led to why they forced them to play the game, because if you're not going to follow protocols, uh, then you got to face the punishment, so to speak. So maybe that was it. But I mean, 
yeah, we went, we got through it. It was a tough one. It was a, it was a long week uh, for fantasy football for players to get all their guys in. But we, we made it. We're in week thirteen now. Big week, uh, like I said, for fantasy football. We got a lot of games to cover, so let's dive right in. First one we have is the New Orleans Saints taking travel to Atlanta minus three right now for the Saints to face the Falcons. This is this we saw this game what 2 weeks ago. These two teams uh met um for the first time this season. They're, they're, the schedule makers made it almost a back to back. It's a uh, two games in 3 weeks uh for these two and it was Tyson Taysom Hill um starting for the New Orleans Saints. It will be again. So I mean, what do we really expect? Minus 3 favoring the Saints. I mean, I'm I'm seeing that this 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 alteration offensively for the New Orleans Saints is going to be another run heavy approach. I mean, how can you not think it's going to be the same the same thing? Um when it comes to how bad the Atlanta Falcons played the first time these clubs met, I mean, typically we see uh coaching staffs go into the film room, dissect the film and and they're going to be much better in game number 2. Do I see that? I I really struggle. Only because that Saints defense is that good. Quan Alexander, <clears throat> excuse me, if if you guys don't know Quan Alexander, he got traded from the San Francisco 49ers. He's a linebacker. This was a massive, massive move for the Saints. And, and they're starting to see that come to fruition, how important it was to get this linebacker on this roster. He he's he's one of my favorites at the position, always has been since entering the league in Tampa Bay. And I mean, he brings a different dynamic. He allows this front four now to rush without having to have fear that someone will not be there to help out and support in the run game, especially. That's why we saw Matt Ryan hit the turf so many times in that contest. And I think it's going to be exactly the same. Julio Jones is playing hurt. He says he feels fine, but I mean, that's Julio. He will play with his leg falling off. I mean, we know this. We've seen this. If he can, if he can at least get out there and play, he will play. Um, but it, it fears me for the fantasy community to play him again. I mean, I know he's a stud. You typically play your studs. If if pregame he looks like he's running fine, then then maybe it's it's a it's a go. But I mean, it's a risk, man. Especially if you need the win in fantasy, this is it. I mean, can you trust Julio Jones this week? That's going to be a big topic going on for the next couple of days. That's for sure. But I, but I, I really wonder. Even with the lack of running game, Todd Gurley is hampered. I mean, Brian Hill did not look overly spectacular. Edo Smith looked good um, last week, but will they be able to find much traction on this very, uh, very stout Saints uh, run defense? I, I really question it. I think we could see a lot of the similar uh, statistics, a lot of similar schemes that we saw last week. So we'll see how the Atlanta Falcons adjust. Minus three. I'm definitely taking the Saints at that spread. But, I mean, for Alvin Kamara, there's another question mark for fantasy football. I mean, what do you do with Alvin Kamara right now? The Taysom Hill effect is killing his stock fantasy football-wise. He is not being targeted in the pass game, which is his bread and butter, which is where he makes all the money, which is where he makes all the points. It's just not happening. Jared Cook, on the other hand, as well. He is not even involved because they're not passing the football. I mean, it is basically the the Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray show with the ground and pound. Heavy dedication to the ground game. I I think you're going to see a very similar trait as well. Do I believe that Taysom is going to open it up and air it out? I don't. I really don't. I mean, he may throw the ball 20 times again, but they're going to be the slants. They're going to be the quick outs. Hopefully... 
uh, we do see uh, uh, Alvin Kamara get back in the mix uh, through the pass game because the Falcons really struggle to, to defend running backs. But we'll see. But I'm taking the Saints in that contest. I think it's going to be uh, closer than it was in the first one, but it's, it's, it's still going to be a Saints victory, no question. Next game I have is the Detroit Lions going to Chicago to face the Bears, also a three-point spread favoring the Bears. This is tricky because, you know, the Bears coming off that that embarrassing loss in Green Bay last week. I mean, and then what do we say about Detroit? I mean, they fire their head coach and general manager. So typically what we do see from clubs who do relieve duty from their uh, previous uh, establishment, they they tend to get a little bit of a lift um, because they want to prove. They The coach wants to prove. He'll have them motivated. He'll have them energized. But still no Kenny Galladay. That really hurts. I mean, we've been waiting on this man all off season, all season long. He's played only a handful of contests. He's still out with that injured hip. So it it, it basically says he's he's more hurt than than what they let on to be. And I'm I'm shocked that they didn't put him on the IR. Um, but nevertheless, they do get uh, DeAndre Swift back in the mix. Adrian Peterson had an interesting comment this week saying that uh, Swift isn't the same type of guy um, since suffering that concussion two weeks ago. And, and he says, you know, it seems like he's – I don't want to quote because I might misquote what he was saying, but it was almost to the tone of, like, he is not uh, – he's sluggish and he doesn't have as much uh, 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 bounce in his step. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, that, that's a little bit of a concern. But, but then I sat back and I said – why would a teammate, especially a guy like Adrian Peterson, who has been so supportive of DeAndre Swift, why would he even say that to the media? And and then that kind of light bulb turned on and said, you know, maybe it's him trying to throw it out there uh, to believe, to make the other team believe, like Chicago believe, that Swift won't have that big of a role in this game and then watch Swift go off. I mean, that's very possible as well. We've we've seen lots of players do that sleight of hand, and maybe that's what it'll be this, this week as well. Mitchell Trubisky, he gets a start again. Uh, over Nick Foles. Nick Foles still hampered with his injury. We did see a little little something. I mean, uh, Trubisky is what he is. I, I think unless he moves to another system where a coaching staff actually knows how to develop what he is, I, I think this is what we get when we what we see is what we get with Mitchell Trubisky at this point. I mean, he is able to throw the ball. He had a good day fantasy wise last week, over twenty points. So I mean, that that's okay. I mean, he was able to move the ball, but the defense just went to bed last week. So maybe this wasn't all on Trubisky's uh, shoulders. Uh, I've seen that Allen Robinson and uh, Daryl Mooney are questionable to play in this contest with injuries of their own. This would absolutely lift uh, Anthony Miller in this contest test and David Montgomery Montgomery is coming off a very big day probably one of the bigger days he's had in his NFL career and he's going up against a Lions defense that really struggles to uh, to defend the run so I fully expect him to have a big day if Mooney plays I'm all in I think uh, he had nine targets last week the target share has been absolutely glorious over the last several weeks I think that his ascension in this offense is starting to be known they have uh, multiple weapons that they can spread the ball around now it's just about getting protection and and Trubisky actually uh, efficiently moving the ball down the field with execution. If he does that, I think the Bears can easily win this game 
Um, but but like I said, you got to give the effect to the Detroit Lions that they do have a new coaching staff. They're going to be amped up for this game. So I could see it literally a one or two point contest, wrecking this spread and 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 putting people who took the three points in in sadness. So I'm I'm taking the under. I think that the Detroit Lions come out to play in this one. Uh, the Bears did not look good. They will regroup, but they did not look good last week. Next one on the board is the Indianapolis Colts taking travel to Houston to face the Texans. My goodness, what happened to Houston? We saw this past week, uh, a few days ago, Will Fuller. He is now suspended for the remainder of the NFL season. Six games was the tally. Him and Bradley Roby both find find themselves on the six-game suspension due to PED violations. This is not good. I mean, the funny thing was is that Brian Cushing is the strength and conditioning coach. This has been floating all around social media as well. If you guys don't know who Brian Cushing is, I mean, he was the one who used to play for the Texans at the linebacker position, got popped on a couple PED violations of his own. Now Will Fuller is gone. Bradley Roby is gone. This is a massive blow for this offense with Fuller now no longer allowed to play. I'm hurting. I'm sad. Fuller, he was having a fabulous season, comeback season. But, I mean, does this bode to the point that we couldn't trust Will Fuller because he was always finding his way to the medical room. And now magically this season, he basically played every game, but one up to this point. I mean, and and now he gets hit on a, on a PED violation. I mean, you got to put two and two together and, and believe that the correlation is one plus one here that the, whatever he was taking was assisting his rehab and assisting his ability to stay healthy. I mean, uh, it's a contract year for him. So uh, it's a, it's such a difficult thing for me to believe that it wasn't a known product and substance that he was taking to enhance his ability to remain on the field. Uh, very difficult for you to tell me otherwise. I mean, but nevertheless, uh, they got to move forward. The Houston Texans do. Uh, apparently, David Johnson is likely to return this week, is what I heard uh, from Romeo Cornell's comments. So, I mean, that's a positive, and that's in that sense. I mean, they still have Duke Johnson. They can play him in the slot if need be. He can catch the ball very well. But the reliance now will obviously be on Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks now gets elevated to back to being the number one wide receiver. Randall Cobb is still on the injured reserve. Weirdly enough, they did cut Kenny Stills before the Will Fuller news broke. So, I mean, Kenny Stills is no longer on this roster. So now you have a little bit of a problem when you come to this receiver room. You still have Kiki Kuti. You have that uh, youngster Isaiah Coltier. So, I mean, it's possible these youngsters come in and they uh, um, start making a name for themselves. I mean, Kuti has had his own issues with injuries as well, but... How bad do you feel for for Deshaun Watson at this point? I mean, if he actually had a team around him, a fully loaded team with an offensive line that could protect for him, a running game that can open up lanes to institute a play-action pass, maybe an RPO. We don't see basically many RPOs in this offense. It's tough. And now you lose Will Fuller, who was just dominating the deep shots, and he was getting open. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how this will go. Indianapolis, if I didn't mention, they are favored by three and a half points in this contest. 
I'm shocked it's not more. I, I really am. I mean, the, the, the Vegas odds makers are going off the point of saying that the Thanksgiving uh, blow up that they had, uh, the Texans is scoring over 40 points, is going to translate over now without Will Fuller. I just don't see it, especially who you're going up against. I mean, the, the Indianapolis Colts defense is one of the best in the NFL, and they're continuing to prove that. DeForest Buckner comes back off the COVID list for the Colts. This is massive, massive. If you guys don't understand how important DeForest Buckner is to this Indianapolis Colt defense, go re-watch last week's contest versus the Titans because it's a, it's a night and day difference on the defensive side when he's not on the field. What he does to allow his teammates to, to roam freer, um, to to have a sidestep and then recover. He does so much, and he, he basically takes two and three guys out of the mix on that front, and this allows everyone else to to, to uh, succeed uh, is the best way I can put it. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. The, the analogy I'm using for this more than anything is like when you see a franchise quarterback come to another club and that club starts to ascend in the win column and statistically, this is the same type of deal but on the defensive side. DeForest Buckner is that massive different difference maker for this Colts team and, and I mean getting him back with especially no run game to speak of for Houston, you're going to see a, a lot of pressure uh, come from the Colts uh, um, when they're on defense, you're going to see a lot of it. So I'll I'll be shocked. I really will be shocked to see uh, the Texans really generate much offensively against this defense. And then when we flip it to the Colts side, I mean, T.Y. Hilton finally, he came back. I mean, he's alive, uh, I joke. But, I mean, he has been completely non-existent all season. I read that completely wrong. I Phillip Rivers has played well. I mean, if you look at his statistics over the last five five weeks, this is what I was kind of promoting. I thought, okay, yeah, you know, Phillip Rivers, he's going to give you the turnovers, but he's giving you a clear-cut shot to be a contender to win this thing. I mean, if, as long as you play within the system, you're not turning the ball over and making mistakes, you clearly have a shot with his defense. I, I truly believe it. We've seen lesser quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Trent Dilfer, for example, behind a great solid defense. We've seen it. Peyton Manning, he won that Super Bowl behind a great defense. So we we can we can always make this argument that that you don't have to be a top end quarterback anymore and Philip Rivers still is showing it. Fantasy football wise, I mean, he's he'll, he's still putting you up the 20 points a week basically over the last 5, I think with exception of one contest. He's he's doing enough. They get Jonathan Taylor back as well off the COVID list and this was another argument that I saw. I'm starting uh, JT this week um because because, and I know it's frustrating. His game has been frustrating me as well. We've talked about him on this show uh, multiple times. But, I mean, he now, so, okay, let me backtrack. So, he has been struggling to get himself going in games. But he just received the two weeks prior, he had 22 carries. In week two, he had 20 carries. And that's when you see his statistics increase that much more. Week two, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown. The, uh, the game against Green Bay, he had, I believe, 90 yards. I'm not sure if he found the end zone. I think he might have. But this is the type of running back he is. He is that volume-based runner. The more you give him, he's kind of like Derrick Henry in that sense. Not same body type, not same player, but he's, he's kind of like Derrick Henry where he's the bruising, imposing back where the volume will dictate what he does on the field. And if you can constantly keep on flipping him in and out of the lineup, he can't get into a groove, and that's something that he's going to have to learn as a player um, because this league always goes to multi-back sets. But 
I believe this game is going to be very good for Jonathan Taylor. He had a week off basically because of the COVID isolation. So basically another rest week for him. Get his mind right. Get his body right. I mean, he, he might have hit the rookie wall at some point. This is good for him. I'm 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 all on board. If you have Jonathan Taylor and you're desperate to to win this week, man, you fire him up because he's going up against a very weak Texans run defense. And and then when it comes to Philip Rivers, I think he has a very solid day as well. Does T.Y. Hilton get back in the mix? I don't know. I really question it. I, I the safer play for me would be uh, uh Trey Burton um and and Michael Pittman. I think that's a safe play in that respect from the past game. But I'm taking the Colts three and a half points. I'll take that all day long. That to me should have should have been at least six and a half, but it was not. Next game we have is the L.A. Ra- or Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me, taking on the New York Jets. The Raiders are favored. by by eight and a half points going to New York cross country. I don't like this spread at all, especially with the fact of how poor they played last week at the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, what could you say? That was a disaster and a half. Derek Carr was turning the ball over basically every time he was on the field. He couldn't get any protection. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, this week now, we just got word that Josh Jacobs will not play, so Devontae Booker is going to be his replacement. If you need a back and he was on the waiver, hopefully you got him. New York Jets, what do we talk about these New York Jets? I mean, Frank Gore is your lead back now. Sam Darnold is back. He didn't look good in his first showing uh, back off his injury. But I like this I like this game for New York. Why? Because they now they again have their trio of wide receivers all healthy, all on the field at the same time. Frank Gore has been okay. I mean, he's he's a hundred years old, but I mean he's still running very well. Him and Adrian Peterson, the, the ageless wonders. I mean, you can't get them to retire because look, they, they can still produce. Frank Gore is doing just enough to 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 make the defense have that sense of fear that a run game is 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 possible. So, I mean, Sam Darnold, for me, I think the rust was last week. I think he's kicked it off. I think he's going to be much better this week against the Raiders defense, who is also struggling at this point. I mean, they don't have Abram in this week. So, I mean, for me, it's an easy plus eight for the Jets. I, I, I'm i taking the Jets to not allow them to cover. Um, I think that we could see a lot of Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is interesting to me. And, and, the, and the one thing, I'll, I'll talk about Jamison Crowder as well. So Denzel Mims, I wasn't a hater on Denzel Mims. I just liked a lot of the wide receiver talent that was coming out of the draft ahead of him. Um, when it when when I see what is happening in this in this uh, offense right now, Coach Adam Gase is trying to spread the ball around, but it's coming at the expense of Jamison Crowder. So Jamison Crowder was seeing targets in in, in upper echelons of what 15, 16 targets a week, and then he got injured. So curtailing his target share back and now spreading around it around to now Denzel Mims and Brashard Perryman. I think this is kind of what we're going to see in this offense. I think, I think Crowder has a decent day. I think he gets a little bit more target share than he has had in the past couple of weeks, but I, I think Denzel Mims, they want to see what they have in this kid. So I think it's going to be almost a force feeding uh, type of situation. You're going to see Darnold passing his way a lot. He, I have him on my uh, potential big day players, risk reward players this week because I mean when you're seeing eight nine targets I think or he hasn't had nine yet uh, seven eight targets I believe it was I mean that's good volume for a wide receiver to make some plays as long as he can get in the end zone if he can up his uh, catching percentage at this point I think Mims could have a very strong day against a Raiders team who showed their struggle 
and 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 believe you me that the New York Jets will be looking at film at how well the Atlanta Falcons were able to expose that defense, and they're going to come strong. I really do believe it. I think the Jets even it's a potential the Jets could even upset this game if they if they don't make any mistakes. I I could I could definitely see it without Josh Jacobs. The Raiders are a very different different team. Next one we have is the Cleveland Browns taking travel to Tennessee to face the Titans. Five and a half points. The Tennessee Titans are favored, and I like this spread all day long. I really do. So I said it before. It might have been on this cast or another podcast that I do. I said the Cleveland Browns are the worst 8-3 and three team, and at that time it was a 7-3 team that I've seen. And I took some flack for that one. And I mean, it's warranted. I'm not a hater of the Cleveland Browns. I really am not. I only say the worst because they're not a fundamentally sound football team, in my opinion. They have a lot of gaping holes. The offense is truly generated through Nick Chubb, who I love, Kareem Hunt, who I love. I I love these running backs uh, immensely for what they can do on the field. It's Baker Mayfield that still poses the problem for me. It, it it really is. I mean, he is he is nowhere even close to the to the quarterback he was in college. Kevin Stefanski has uh, easily made him into a game manager type, and I mean, good on Kevin Stefanski for doing it because now what you're doing, you're winning contests, playing within the system that you created. We're seeing a very similar trait happen in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. Just don't turn the ball over, play it safe, and the run game will win. Is it a surprise that Kevin Stefanski comes from that system, comes from Minnesota, where him and Gary Kubiak were the engineers of that system? No, this is this is why we see it. But when you look back at who the Cleveland Browns have faced, I mean, their their competition has not been stout. And when they have played heavier competition, you can see the statistics fall off. They are the Cleveland Browns are the worst playoff team right now in the AFC in points scored. I mean, this is what it is. They're grinding games out, okay? They, they're playing good defense, and, and I, I, should, I should pull it back. They're not a terrible team. So when I say the worst 8-3 and three team, it, it's, it's kind of loaded because I'm not suggesting that they're a terrible team. They can win games if they play within their system, which they have been. But I think this is a week you will see them get exposed. Tennessee is very sound at all three levels. I like this Tennessee club a lot. I think that, you know, they they will continue to ride Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry loves the fourth quarter of the NFL season. This is where he gets to work because bodies are bruised and battered. He's still fine and fresh, and he's going, and he's not going to stop. He's going to plow over everybody, and by the time the second half of these contests are going to come up, you know these guys don't want to tackle him anymore, and the Tennessee Titans know this, and they're going to ride it. Then they institute the play-action pass with Ryan Tannehill. We saw it last week, quick uh, over-the-middle intermediate route and AJ Brown takes it to the house I mean this is what they're built upon because if you can actually run the ball with extreme confidence with Derrick Henry the play action pass will work all day long and Ryan Tannehill is one of the better play action pass quarterbacks in the entire league no question he is that good he knows how to expose it he knows how to make it work and 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 against the Browns defense yes they got Miles Garrett back I mean that's a big lift for them but I, I haven't seen if Denzel Ward is playing. I Last I checked, he was still hampered with his injury as well. Um, 
if he is out, I mean, that's a massive problem. But on the flip side, A.J. Brown could also sit. He uh, he fell on his hip. If you saw the last game they played last week at the end where he kind of uh, hurt his hip a little bit. But we'll see. I haven't seen anything to rule him out um, for this week. But I, they, they took a precautionary. It was a Friday limited session, I believe, in practice. So that's a little bit concerning we have to pay attention to. I think A.J. Brown will play. I'll, I'll be shocked if he doesn't. But five and a half points, I mean, I get it. On In, in Cleveland, maybe I would say it. it I would take the under in that sense, but in Tennessee, I'm, I'm with it. I think the Titans defense is good enough. I mean, too bad Jadavion Clowney is still out on the injured reserve because he's massive in run support, but I like what I see in how the Titans are moving, how they're building confidence, how they're going. I'm taking the Titans in this contest, uh, no question, even though Nick Chubb should still find ways to run free. Next one we have is the Miami Dolphins, minus 10.5, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. The lowly Bengals without Joe Burrow. They started Brandon Allen, and they they competed. I mean, this is this is what we, we figured. Brandon Allen's not a terrible quarterback, but he's not going to win you games all by himself. He needs everything to come to fruition for that to happen. He needs turnovers, he needs luck, and he needs divine intervention if they're going to win games. Still no Joe Mixon. That's unfortunate. Gio Bernard will be the guy. So when you're talking about this Miami team, so we're still hearing news that uh, Tua may not play in this game. It, it, it might be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if that's the case, I mean, 10 and a half points isn't out of the question against the Bengals, especially in Miami, but I'm taking the under and here's why Brandon Allen, just like any other quarterback, like Ryan Finley, like now Colt McCoy playing for the giants uh, because of the Jones injury. These guys will continue to play in garbage time because they're proving proving something to, to to the coaching staff to ownership for other teams it's it's like an audition they want to prove what they are because they want to continue to play in the league Brandon Allen will kill this spread late even if they're up he is going to continue to push he's going to continue to drive and he will kill this spread late so if you had thoughts about will I bench guys like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd the only reason why I'm saying play T Higgins this week over Tyler Boyd where I said it was the reverse last week is simply because now we see it and especially with a team like Miami who has Xavier Howard who has uh, Byron Jones as their defensive backs these guys are all stars they're top notch that's going to be AJ Green and Tyler Boyd coverage for most of the day. I think that T. Higgins, depending on if T. Higgins starts to go off, they might uh, move and shift and start covering him more. But I think T. Higgins gets the majority of the targets in this contest because he's going to be the one on lesser coverage. That's how I'm looking at this one. I think that's how it's going to be. We'll see. Uh, the the Miami Dolphins, again, they, they do not have Salvon Ahmad. They uh, are hoping to get Miles Gaskin back. Matt Breida has been placed, I believe, on the COVID list as well, so he is not likely to play. Uh, so it's going to be Gaskin coming off his injury and, and Layard uh filling in for the running back room so essentially the the run game may not be there for the for the Miami Dolphins they will have to pass and and we'll see how that goes I could see a lot of turnovers in this game it's not out of the question but I mean 10 and a half points Miami desperately needs this win to stay pace with the Buffalo Bills for the division lead they're going to be coming out strong but as for the spread I just don't see it I'm not taking 11 points for Miami I think that the the Bengals ruin it late and and they're going to make me happy 
happy this time rather than upset on a, on a killed spread. Next one is the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Minnesota. This spread is also 10 points. It's a big spread. I'm taking the under in this one as well. So a couple things concern me about the Minnesota Vikings. One, the coaching staff has come out and said that uh, they believe Dalvin Cook is beat up. And I mean, you you can't argue it. I mean, his his volume share this season has been plentiful, has been vast. And, and his body's just naturally going to break down. And from historically speaking, uh, what we know about Dalvin Cook is that he tends to break down at this part of the, at this point of the season. Um, an injury or two may pile up and may become a problem. This is why I I still had him in my top five, I believe, coming into the season for fantasy football. But it was it was a cautious uh, top five because we know what he can do on the field, but the injuries continue to scare me off, especially when it comes to fantasy playoffs. I am terrified to death that this man he is going to put up uh, he's going to put up 150 this week in week 13, and he's going to find himself in the medical room for week 14, and there goes your playoffs again. That's what scares me to death. Um, but perhaps we see a little bit of the multi back system in this contest. Jaguars haven't played horribly uh over the last few weeks they've competed they've been in the games i think uh the mike glennon thing kind of threw me for a loop i didn't understand why they were playing playing glennon but he does have the arm i mean that was the one thing about mike glennon that we knew coming out of out of college when he came out was was he still had a very strong arm he could he could toss the ball down the field and you're in a dome stadium he's going to try to feed his wide receivers and and he proved last week that he could at least be somewhat efficient in scoring touchdowns with James Robinson in the back uh, backfield they're going to try to kill the clock they're going to try to move the ball on the ground which they will be able to against this Minnesota Vikings defense okay they are not very stout in both the run and the pass they are beatable in that sense and then you know this this could be a game. This really could because Jacksonville, outside of the one defensive back that they got from the Philadelphia Eagles, his name evades me right now, but he's playing very, very well. Very well. The rookie Henderson is not playing as good. He's kind of taken a step back. I think he's hit the rookie wall. Um, but but through the air, both teams could easily push the ball, and and we could we could almost see something of a shootout as long as Glennon can keep his. Uh, to keep his game clean um, with no turnovers, I think he could compete. I mean, we, like I said in the, the Baker Mayfield uh, uh, evaluation, uh, Kirk Cousins is in that same realm. Uh, he has turned into the game manager. Do not make the mistakes. Take the open wide receivers. Exploit the play-action pass. I mean, like I said, this is Kevin Stefanski. This is Gary Kubiak. This is what their system is predicated upon, and they will continue to do this, the Minnesota Vikings will. Justin Jefferson, baller. I mean, he's been playing lights out he is in the rookie of the year candidate uh, category for sure he won't win it obviously Justin Herbert is is doing the number but I mean Justin Jefferson you could argue that he has been the best uh, rookie wide receiver out of the class so far this season they get Adam Thielen back from the COVID list that's a massive boost for this team so do I believe that the Minnesota Vikings will lose this contest? No. I think Minnesota wins this game and they continue to roll. This is a big win for them if they get it. They will climb all the way back to 6-6 six and six and, and they're very much alive within the wild card race. And they are turning into a solid, balanced team. They're not like a super studded, superstar loaded club. They're just a very 
uh, a strongly balanced club. Kyle Rudolph is one guy to watch out for. I like him again this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars give up a lot to the tight end position, so if you need a filler, the only caveat is uh, the fact that Adam Thielen is back, so the target share will likely decrease. But with no Irv Smith, uh, Rudolph is going to see basically 100% of the snaps this game uh, and, and, and red zone opportunities could be there. So if you're looking for a tight end stream this week, I mean, he is one to definitely have. DJ Chark for the for the Jaguars, if he is playing, you got to watch that medical report because I've, I've heard he's likely to play, but you never know. He could be a late time scratch. If he plays in this contest, I'm firing him, him up as well. Him with uh, the arm of uh, Mike Glennon, at least the opportunities will be there through the deep shot even if they get turned over I mean at least you're going to see that twice or three times in this contest I'm still taking the Vikings there is fantasy points to be had in this game next one is the LA Rams taking travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals Rams favored by two and a half points coming off a a dreadful showing um, against the 49ers the Rams were I expected so much more but I mean this is the Kyle Shanahan my uh, Sean McVay friendship these guys know each other extremely well at this point, I mean, it's it's a coin flip to which team is going to win when those two face off. Now we see the Cardinals going up against the Rams. Cardinals have taken a little bit of a sidestep. Um, I'm a little bit unimpressed, uh, and it's because of Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not. I, I, you know me. I'm. I'm a massive supporter of this man's work. I love Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's uh, genius, offensive genius. What is concerning me right now, it, it, it clearly uh, shows on film. I've seen it more than once. I've gone back and watched a lot of these games over and over again. And it, and it shows that what I was so excited about from Kingsbury uh, in Kyler's rookie season was his in-game adjustments. He was that good. When when something didn't work, he he altered very quickly on the fly to allow Kyler to adjust and, and become that more productive. This over this last few games uh, since the Miami Dolphin game uh, where they lost and they didn't look as sharp doing it. I think that is kind of the film that everyone is watching where it was corral Kyler in the in the pocket. Do not let him bounce it outside. That is kind of what they want to do, especially when we saw the Bills game where they allowed him to roll out more frequently. Teams are going back to the Miami game saying, as long as we can corral Kyler Murray, we have a chance because him wanting to run up the middle through the line isn't as favorable. He's going to look for the wide receiver overdoing that, but when he can roll out, that's when you know Kyler's going to make some damage. Um, but also removing DeAndre Hopkins from uh, uh, being that dominating force. I mean, we haven't seen it over the last several weeks, and it is becoming a concern. I mean, maybe it's time you need to just say, you know what, it's time to force feed DeAndre Hopkins because he is our best weapon. He is our best playmaker. We need to get this going. Do I believe that the Cardinals will figure this out against a very strong defensive front of the Rams? It's hard to say yes, but I want to believe because Kyler Murray and company are that talented. They are good. They're they're still, in my opinion, a year or two away from being one of the elite teams in the NFL because I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. And I mean, it's not just because of his running ability. I think he actually is a very good quarterback. I think he can make majority of the throws. I think he's proven it. He's not afraid to stand in the pocket to make these throws. That's what encourages me about this guy so much is that his ability to take off and run with his rabbit quickness is something I've never seen. But typically you don't see that 
come together with a running quarterback is his his efficiency in the pass game. He has totally lifted his his game in in that level, and I and I think that he could easily. Um, attempt a good showing but i mean jalen jalen ramsey going up against deandre hopkins i mean could we have a better better matchup for for a battle this will be a war between these two guys and and i mean we could see christian kirk be the the secondary target that's gonna have a big day we'll see we'll see how that goes maybe they lean to to uh Kenyon Drake a little bit more in the run game, but I think I think they need a get right game big time. The Arizona Cardinals do because they are stumbling at the worst possible time. They are six and five. The Rams are seven and four. This division is still up for grabs. Wild card positioning is still up for grabs. For the Rams' perspective, we have uh, the trio of running backs. Uh, mostly, it's going to be Cam Akers, rookie, and uh, uh, Henderson. These two are going to be duking it out for the touches from the backfield. Sean McVay has stated more than once in the offseason that he will use the rotation of all three backs including Malcolm Brown he has and I mean now Cam Akers is starting to come uh, into play more because he it appears he's figured something out he looked very good last week I could see more usage from him coming up this week uh, definitely and moving forward um, but they're the, this is what they're gonna do Jared Goff though oh my god Jared Goff what are you doing he is turning the ball over like he's giving out free Sundays what is he doing protection of the ball i mean sean McVay was extremely critical on this man last week he said if he doesn't protect the ball we're gonna lose and that's exactly what happened against the san francisco 49ers your run game can't carry you this isn't uh the todd Gurley of old i mean you're still trying to figure out which running back is gonna be the top and i don't know if if you really have one if you have this set of backs you're gonna use that rotation all the time to try to generate yards and offense but Jared Goff, I mean, he's done enough to support guys like uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup of late. I mean, we have seen Reynolds get into the mix a little bit. If they went into a spread offense, they could play this Van Jefferson rookie kid. I think that's something that I would really like to see expanded by Co- uh, Coach Sean McVay. But, I mean, I think he feels a little bit hampered to the fact that his offensive line isn't the best, isn't the nimblest in, in pass pro. So, I mean, he has to have an extra tight end as well. So it's very tough to go four wides all the time. But I think that would be a very good look for this Rams team. But Robert Woods, he's a slam dunk in my opinion this week. Again, I think the target share is going to continue to filter toward him. Cooper Cup, I mean, he sprinkles in a great game, kind of has a dud, sprinkles in a big game. So who knows which one we're going to get this week. But I mean, I'm okay playing both of those men as well, along with, like I said, Christian Kirk. I think he could have a very sound day as well. New York Giants taking travel to the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored at 11 points currently with news that Daniel Jones, like I said, will not play in this game due to a hamstring injury. This is big. I mean, you got Colt McCoy as your backup quarterback. We know Colt. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback either. I mean, a lot of these people want to suggest that they're, they're going to be completely out of this game. Colt McCoy is serviceable. Uh, the difference here is that you're going up against a Seattle Seahawks team that is finding their stride. Gina, uh, uh, Carlos Dunlap, he has now revitalized this pass rush for the Seattle Seahawks. It's a completely different front line now with him on it. Uh, Jamal Adams back in the lineup. He looks like he is clearly over his, uh, I believe it was his groin that he injured earlier this season. He looks he looks fresh. He looks uh, strong. Uh, very, very quick. I These guys are a nightmare to defend um, right now for the opposition. And I mean, the Giants themselves, they've played okay. I mean, their record doesn't necessarily indicate how, how good 
good they actually have been from last season. I'm not saying that they're doing very well, but when you look at it year over year, it's it's a drastic improvement. They are four and seven right now. They are still fighting for the division lead. The the division's still up for grabs. Do I believe they're going to win this game? Hell no. There is no way they win this contest. 11 points was a little bit uh, difficult for me to take, especially given the fact of how much better the Giants' defense has played, especially with Bradbury um, and and their linebacker they got from Green Bay. Um, They have uplifted this defense uh, wholeheartedly. Um, but with Russell Wilson, you got Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde back. The run game is is in full force. DK Metcalf is turning into a, uh, a superstar right in front of our eyes. He is making plays all over the field. He is becoming unguardable. Basically, the only thing standing in his way is still the, the few drops that we see in the most opportune times. If he can clean that up, I mean, what's stopping DK Metcalf at this point with Russell Wilson in this offense? He is legit a number one wide receiver. Fan football wise next year he is going to be at least top 10 top 5 he is going to be in that category because he is that good I think Russell Wilson has a very strong day especially at home I think uh, the Giants will attempt to play. Wayne Gallman is the only uh, real fantasy viable player in my eyes. Potentially Golden Tate with PPR coming back to Seattle revenge game. I mean, guys always get up for these ones. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't overlook Golden Tate either. If you need a wide receiver pick up and play, he is a good one. But Wayne Gallman has impressed me. I'll, I'll, I'll take it back before I move on. Wayne Gallman. Okay, I was a big opposer of Wayne Gallman. I did not like his game whatsoever in the NFL. I didn't think it translated whatsoever, but now he has impressed. He has improved. He is seeing the holes. He has patience. He's got a little bit of the burst. He's got a little bit of the shake. I like it. I like exactly what they're doing. I like how the coach is using him. Uh, Goal line opportunity is all his. So if you are a Wayne Gallman owner, count your blessings because he is winning you games. He is what? Putting you up no less than 13 points, I believe, with a ceiling of 18 weekly in PPR. Man, that's coming off the waiver and that is just glorious. And they're going to keep going. I mean, the Seahawks defense is susceptible to giving up big yards in both the run and the pass. So uh, outside of pressure and mistakes, that's where the Seahawks make their money. They want to create the turnovers. They want to be very fast and, and agile. But, I mean, they're, they're, that's why they get beat so much. Uh, because they're so opportunistic. They, they give up the big plays because they're, they're taking chances to try to generate turnovers. But nevertheless, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I mean, it's going to be – I'm taking the points is, is kind of where I'm going with that. I'm taking the 11 points. I'm taking the Seahawks to win. I think they move forward. The Giants go down. Next one we have is the Philadelphia Eagles taking travel to Green Bay to face the Packers. Eight and a half points is the line favoring Green Bay. And, I mean, how can you not take that spread if you are in the betting public? I mean, what we're we're continuously seeing from the Philadelphia Eagles is just complete dismay. It is broken. I don't see how they can possibly fix this, fix what their problems are this season. The offensive line is completely decimated. They have no protection. They can't find lanes to allow Miles Sanders to run through. 
Carson Wentz continues to play very poor football, even though he is putting up points in fantasy football, which is crazy. I still believe I thought I saw a stat that he is a top 10 quarterback right now in fantasy, which is just baffling. But I mean, it's based on garbage time production more than anything. Like we saw last week, the the deep shot late in the game for the touchdown. I mean, it killed the spread and it, it gave people fantasy wins. I mean, this is what Carson Wentz and the Eagles are doing right now. Outside of that, there isn't a whole heck of a lot to get excited about when it comes to the Eagles. Eagles. I really don't understand this coaching staff whatsoever. Coach Pedersen, I mean, you really need to give your head a shake at this point. When you guys were actually moving the ball down the field, you were using Fulgham, uh, Travis Fulgham, and you were using Miles Sanders. Alshon Jeffrey comes back and you've completely adjusted your offense to be catering him. The targets are going to him. The offense is moving to his direction. I don't get this. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, okay, is he on the back nine of his career? Absolutely. Is he going to make the difference in, in your in your offense? No. It's time to move forward. I mean, go back to using Travis Fulgham. Go back to using now Jalen Reger. He is he has uh, come back from injury. Get him integrated into this offense. Use the short passes. Use the quick screen game. I mean, you have no protection on this offensive line. I really can't understand why he is not adjusting his offensive approach whatsoever okay Fulgham runs that good intermediate route he's not your field burner so use it that way but you need to open up the pressure or get rid of the pressure I should say by by using the short passes to guys like Jalen Reger over the middle recreate the run game in the screens recreate the run game with Jalen Reger over the middle short Create some pick plays to get these wide receivers open quickly so Carson Wentz can hit them fast. This is how you need to be moving this offense now because you cannot. And how many times last week we saw it? Every single time there was one safety high, they were running deep routes, and and Carson Wentz had no time. None. Stacked boxes are going to kill him every single time. The blitz is going to get him every single time, whether it's an errant throw or he's hitting the turf. I don't understand, and Green Bay is known with – their defensive coordinator, uh, uh, Mike Petton, they are known to blitz the quarterback uh, full force. I mean, this is his M.O. He's part of the Rex Ryan uh, tree of defensive coordinators. They love to blitz the quarterback. And if Carson Wentz and, and Coach Pedersen don't figure this out early, it's going to be another extremely long day for the Philadelphia Eagles. I really struggle to start anyone outside of Miles Sanders um, in this game. If you're stuck for quarterback, Carson Wentz clearly has given you a, a, a safe floor, I want to say. But but in this regard, against this Green Bay team, yes, they do give up points in the run game. So that's why the Miles Sanders uh, play does appeal to me. Um, but everything else, I mean, Fulgham, how can you start him at this point? He's basically become droppable in, in leagues because he's just not getting enough production. Uh, the target share has tapered off. And I just I don't get it whatsoever. As for Green Bay, they they looked sharp last week against the Bears. The Bears could not do anything right defensively. It seemed that Aaron Rodgers was willing plays to happen. I mean, he could move the ball any which way he wanted down the field, short to the sideline, intermediate uh, screens. Like he could do anything he wanted to do on that field against the Bears. the 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 Eagles front four is still very strong, but their secondary outside of Slay, I'm not overly convinced. I think Devonte Adams has a another massive day uh alan lazard i have
haven't heard word if he is going to suit up in this contest. He went down late last week in that game. I haven't seen anything other than limited practice sessions, but he is turning into be another player to watch out for for the fantasy playoffs because they're looking for that secondary piece in Green Bay. I mean, MVS, uh, Valdez Scantling, he, he's been serviceable, but I mean, his mistakes continue to derail drives at the most uh, important time. So for me, for my money, if Lazard is healthy, I really like it a lot. He could be a weekly flex play all the time and, and you could feel comfortable doing it. I just Health is the biggest concern. He has had a struggle to stay healthy. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, has a day. Uh, Green Bay goes on to win. I'm taking the points and I'm running to the bank. Next one I have is the New England Patriots taking travel to L.A. to face the Chargers. These poor Chargers, man. How can you not feel sympathy for these guys? They continuously lose one possession football games. And it's all coaching staff, in my opinion. I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry, Anthony Lynn. You're a good guy. You seem like a nice dude. But you're just not getting it done, man. You're just not getting it done. We saw it in Buffalo. I know Anthony Lynn very well uh, from from viewing, uh, from seeing what he does. He is a good coach, but he doesn't have that killer instinct in games to to put the knee on the throat when these guys are not breathing. You need to have them KO when you have a lead. And, and you get away from your game. You get away from the run game. You open up the, the opportunity for turnovers. Your, your clock management is horrific. Uh, your decision-making in the games is horrific. I mean, you have guys. You, you found a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, okay? This guy is a baller. I was preaching this all the way going back to the offseason. I didn't expect, like I said before, I'm not taking credit to say that I knew that this would happen because I didn't. But, I mean, I knew that this offense would roll a lot much better with Herbert than it would with Tyrod Taylor simply because I know the game of Tyrod Taylor. But now you got Austin Eckler back. You have Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry. This was another question. Like We we were talking about this on the show as well. You have a guy like Hunter Henry who is in the category of elite nature of tight ends, and you don't even use him in the red zone. He had six red zone targets through, what, 10 weeks? This is unacceptable. Now we started to see Hunter Henry be used a little bit more. Now the productivity is coming back for Hunter Henry. But this should have been done and and changed a long time ago. Keenan Allen is your baller. He's going to feast all the time. But now you have Austin Eckler back. Now you have the sense of this run game a little bit more. Now you can mix and match. So now when Austin Eckler is on the field, you know the PPR game is going to work to the running back. Then when it's altered, you put in uh, uh, either Kelly or or Balazs, and they're going to run. I mean, now you have a dynamic in this run game that will definitely work. But as that continues to go, Justin Herbert is going to feed these wide receivers. This is a tough matchup. For the wide receivers, because you have Stephon Gilmore, you have that youngster that's coming up. He's playing very well for for the Patriots. Jackson, I believe, is his name. He's played extremely well. And, I mean, they're starting to lock down a a lot of top-end talents at the wide receiver position. But the travel does concern me. Cam Newton concerns me a great deal. Um, the, the positive for the New England Patriots, and this is another thing. I was so much endorsing James White in the offseason for fantasy football, and it went to Rex Burkhead. It was like a split effect between James White and Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead goes down. What happened last week? We saw James White score two touchdowns. This is what this offense should have been from day one. Cam Newton feeding the, the running backs short and then opening it up to the wide receivers uh, from time to time, and then Cam rolling out and 
and, and running like he always does. This would have been the proper premise for this Patriots offense this season. Didn't come to fruition for the whole season, but appears now, you know, they're still five and six. They're still alive in the wild card race. And, and how they looked last week against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, look, their defense locked down Kyler Murray as well. That same formula. Justin Herbert is very good. I'm very curious to see how he plays against a, a, a top-flight secondary uh, like the New England Patriots. I mean, okay, they're still missing pieces. They're not what they used to be, but they're still playing very well. They still have elite talent. But I, I like the Chargers in this one a lot. Based on how it is, I think Cam Newton has a very good day as well. I think that the, the Chargers' struggles in the run game is way too vast for me to believe that Cam is not going to – that's not going to be the game plan is to feed Harris and, and Cam Newton and then quick dumps to James White. I mean, that to me has got to be the staple on this uh, scheme, on this plan, because the Chargers still pose a very good secondary. They're able to lock down wide receivers, and we know that the Patriots don't have high-end talent. Jacoby Myers has uh, taken a step back. Um, the target share is not there anymore. The coverage is being dictated to his side, and and they're shutting him down. I mean, so this is it. This is a pick 'em contest. No spread. It's just straight up pick. I'm picking the Chargers at home. They get off the schneid. They finally win a game. Um, they're three and eight right now. Their season is basically in the dump. Sunday Night Football, we have the Denver Broncos taking travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. Drew Locke should be back for this contest. They won't have to use a practice squad player to be their quarterback, which is uh, good news for Broncos fans. You don't have to sit through another debacle like we saw last week. But, I mean, the Chiefs are favored at 14 points. That's a big spread. That's a big spread. But, I mean, the odds makers are going off the premise that the first time that these two teams met earlier this season, it was a blowout. It was, I think, 43-16, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong. Um, but it was in that in that realm. The, the, the game was completely out of hand. I think that it, you're going to see a very similar type of deal. I think the Broncos... I mean, even with Drew Locke back, I, I was a Drew Locke guy. I'm kind of falling off his wagon, like I mentioned last week and the week before. Um, but I just I just don't see it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now, he has an illness. Uh, he is a question mark to play in this game. So we could expect to see a lot more Le'Veon Bell, which is interesting. And that's kind of what I want to see. If, if, if Clyde doesn't play in this game, I want to see Le'Veon... Uh, fully integrated into this offense. And I mean, how can you not uh, get encouraged for what we saw last week with uh, the Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes blow-up show? I mean, how could you not get excited for what we saw? I mean, over 200 yards, three touchdowns. It was a complete and utter... Uh, beautiful day for fantasy football. If you had Tyreek Hill, you were smiling. But, I mean, coming into this week now, we have Tyreek Hill, number one, the leading wide receiver in yards, Travis Kelsey, number two. You have the two top uh, receiving targets in the NFL. One of them is a tight end, and you're playing on the same team. That's magnificent. This is how well Patrick Mahomes is playing. This is how well uh, Coach Andy Reid has this team moving in the right direction. I mean, 14 points to me seems like a lot, like everyone else for the betting public, but it's doable against this Denver Broncos club, especially with the fact that now Drew Locke, okay, he comes back off a week of rest. He's going to have more prep time. I get it. 
but I just don't see it. I really don't. I think this defense just doesn't have the weapons to corral everything that the Kansas City Chiefs have. The Chiefs defense, on the other hand, is kind of falling back a little bit. I want to see a little bit more of that killer instinct come back because just like we saw, we the they let the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back into that contest when it should have been just a, a straight blow away game and, and they allowed them to claw back in. I want to see that. And this is kind of that get right, get up game for this defense. I think they're going to come hard with the pressure. I think they're going to generate turnovers. If there's any bright spot we could suggest is maybe Melvin Gordon plays well, uh, maybe garbage time. Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, very difficult to trust. Tim Patrick over Jerry Judy at this point fantasy-wise. But I'd like to see them uh, dedicated to passing and feeding Jerry Judy. If anything comes out of this game positive for the Broncos, I want to see a game plan specifically altered to feed this rookie wide receiver. I mean... You cannot tell me that he is the issue here and why his statistics aren't that high. Um, I think it's scheme. I think it's game plan. I think it's your quarterback not being able to get him the ball. So if, if I can see that from the Denver Broncos side, then yeah, maybe I will be a little bit more encouraged to, to promote them the following week. But I'm taking the, the Chiefs with this heavy spread. I might get killed late in garbage time, but you know what? I'm taking the spread. I think the Chiefs hammer down and they win huge against the Denver Broncos. Monday Night Football, because of COVID, we have two games on the slate on Monday. Would have been three. If it hadn't been for the Baltimore Ravens, they are now pushed to Tuesday, so we'll get into that one when we get there. But the first game, the early one on Monday, is the Washington football team taking travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Steelers favored by seven points, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. Okay, so the Washington football team, um, they're coming off a massive victory on Thanksgiving, but it was against the Dallas Cowboys. What I did get encouraged about was the usage of Antonio Gibson, him coming into his own, finally having that massive breakout performance, three touchdowns, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, on that one as well. He had a great day, okay? And Alex Smith is that quarterback that we know. And, I mean, this is this is the San Francisco 49ers' Alex Smith. He's the game manager, okay? He just He's going to still throw you the interceptions, but he's not going to throw you the 300-plus yards uh, nine times out of ten. He's going to be in that 190 to 210 range, possibly gets you one, maybe two touchdowns. But he, he, he continues to push the flow of the games. That's what Alex Smith does well, and that's what he's continuing to do on this club against Pittsburgh it's going to be a very tough show okay it is it really truly is you're not facing the Dallas Cowboys the holes are going to be very tight because this defense is so strong but the side note is the Steelers did lose Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree um, to an ACL injury that is massive uh, beyond measure for this uh, Pittsburgh Steeler defense now they've lost one of the best edge rushers they had and then they lost their middle linebacker in Devin Bush weeks ago uh, earlier this season I mean how do you uh, maintain when you lose two star talents on your team like that, especially a guy like Bud Dupree. He opens up so much room for, for TJ Watt and likewise TJ Watt opens up so much room for Bud Dupree. Now they're going to double team TJ. It's going to be a very difficult show um, for them to do. We've seen it in the past. We have. We've seen them uh, play without either one of them, and they do cope very well. Minka Fitzpatrick, the pressure is just going to be on him that much more to play in both run support, pressure a little bit, and then play in coverage. I mean, that's kind of how I see that rolling. 
Do I believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers will ever figure out their run game? I have no idea. Uh, against teams, especially the like the Washington football team, they have a very stout front seven. They can stop the run. I'm not afraid of that. The statistics may say otherwise in some levels, but I don't believe it. I think they have a very strong front four, at least, um, to stop the run. And James Conner is still, I don't believe he's able to come back in this game. If it was Tuesday, I think he could have come back. Um, but with Benny Snell and then with the rookie McFarlane, he hasn't shown much either. Um, but but we saw an interesting aspect to last week's game uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I've seen them play a lot, so I've seen a little bit of adjustments in Ben Roethlisberger, but he was throwing the ball extremely quick uh, last week. He was getting the ball out of his hand. We saw all the stat lines were very short. We saw like Claypool was like uh, 5 for 40. Deontay was like 8 for, what, 50. So it was all short passes just to nickel and dime you down the field because they just can't institute the run game. Either way, I just I don't see how the Washington football team compete a great deal. Um, I, I think I took the under in this one simply because I think that the the Washington is good enough to put enough points on the board to kill the spread, and the defense can corral it because of the run game. But I won't be shocked if if Ben f- starts feeding his wide receivers at will and, and the score gets inflated. I'd have to go back and double-check to see what my, my spread was on this one. But, uh, but I think I took Washington with the under. It should be a Pittsburgh victory regardless. Second game we have is the Buffalo Bills taking travel to San Francisco, which is now in Arizona because San Fran can no longer play in their county due to COVID restrictions. Um, Buffalo Bills, it was a pick game last time I saw. Um, Bills did have the spread early. It was a 1.5 spread favoring the Bills. Now they are, a, I believe it's a pick contest. I'm surprised at that. I really am. The, the Buffalo Bills continue to get no respect, but this is how you gain that respect. I mean, my Bills Mafia, I mean, this is a big game, obviously. We need to win it uh, with the Miami Dolphins clearly on their heels. We This this could be also a letdown performance if uh, the Miami Dolphins game doesn't turn out the way the Dolphins want. If the Dolphins find a way to lose that contest, I could see the Bills having a letdown in this game. If, if the Dolphins win, the pressure is definitely on. I think Josh Allen will get up for it. Um, um, only because because I say potential letdown because this the San Francisco defense did play very well last week against the Rams. I think the the Bills match up extremely well. I think Stefan Diggs is going to have another fabulous day. The issue where I am still like just clamoring to understand is why the Bills don't institute a better run game. And it's just like the other teams who don't possess a a, a solid ground attack recreate that in the screen game I mean this is just your natural transition and the Bills were doing this at the beginning of the season and they've they've let off of it and I don't understand why this is why we've seen Devin Singletary take a backseat we're seeing a little bit more of Zach Moss he's starting to find his foot his footing. Um, but I mean, I want to see uh, the maturation of this offense continue to grow to use the full arsenal that you can use and utilize the players that you do have. We still don't have John Brown on the field. He is on an IR. Gabriel Davis, this rookie, is turning into a stud himself. He is catching touchdowns where the plays are, are there for him to get, and he's making them. And And I like Gabriel Davis a lot. I think he was, he was underrated uh, coming into the draft. Um, he looks very, very good. 
I think he's a great talent. Um, but as long as the Bills cannot make mistakes again, this will be one of the better defenses they faced all season long, especially when it comes to that front four. So I want to see how the dogs in front can block for Josh Allen. If Josh Allen, he is a league leader in turnovers, I believe he has 11. He's, uh, he's up in, the, I believe, the top five for turnovers right now, uh, both pass and fumble. But, I mean, I just I want to see – uh, uh, better control of the ball. We saw it last week. He was a little bit sloppy. Josh Allen was in controlling the ball. If he does that against his 49ers club, I think it, they will make him pay. Um, defensively versus the San Francisco offense, I still think the the Bills have a leg up in this department. Nick Mullins isn't nothing special. Can he move the ball down the field? Sure. But the run game with Raheem Mostert is going to be the thing that I'm going to pay attention to a lot. Um, if Debo Samuel plays, I think he is a mismatch, especially over the middle versus the Buffalo Bills linebacking core um but versus the secondary versus uh trey white and and hyde and company i think the bills win out all day long so if they can keep everything over the middle of the field contain that run game i think they have a very good shot on the defensive side and josh allen just needs to trust his arm trust his eyes and and not be uh and fall victim to turning the ball over i think that'll go a very long way in a bills victory getting them to nine wins on the season in early december can you believe it bills mafia Last game we have is the Tuesday event. We're getting another Tuesday game because of COVID uh, uh, protocols. Because the Baltimore Ravens played on Wednesday, we have to push this game to Tuesday. No spread currently because the, the odds makers are waiting for news on if Lamar Jackson will suit up and play in this contest. They are facing the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, ay ay ay. when I look at this game, I still won't be shocked. Even if, let's just say, even if Lamar Jackson doesn't play in this contest, I still wouldn't be shocked to see a five point spread favoring the Ravens. I really wouldn't. Only because this Ravens defense is that good still. We saw it even last week uh, on that Wednesday game how they were able to manhandle the Steelers to some degree. They were able to close things down, they made the Steelers look less explosive. Dallas is not there. Okay, Zeke Elliott has uh, ball control issues for days. Andy Dalton is not what he used to be. And, and I mean, what he used to be isn't saying a whole heck of a lot. Andy Dalton is a serviceable quarterback, but he's not an all-star elite talent um, that's going to move the ball down the field up and down. So this to me, and it's in Baltimore. Dallas is taking travel to Baltimore. So that's another problem that I see. Uh, five points, if that's kind of where it is, I could see the odds makers playing it safe, giving them a four-point spread. Um, but I just don't see a whole heck of a lot coming from Dallas, especially in the run game. We might see this could be a CD Lamb type of game because where the coverage will be dictated more toward uh, Amari Cooper. Um, but but I mean we'll see. I, I don't mind Dalton Schultz in this game fantasy wise as well. He does get the targets and and potentially we could see a, a red zone opportunity here. So he's a he's a decent play as the Ravens are in the middle of the pack when it comes to defending the tight end position. When it comes to the Ravens, if Lamar doesn't play, I mean it's likely they said that he could return because it is a Tuesday contest. I want to see J.K. Dobbins return to the field. I really do. If he is on the field, this could be the breakout day we've been all waiting for. I think they're going to feed him and force feed him the ball, um, especially against this Dallas Cowboys defense who literally can't stop a cold. They can't do anything right defensively and against a stout run uh, run team that could be in the Ravens again. I think this could be one of those contests where they find their identity on the ground and J.K. Dobbins could be that guy. Um, do we have any faith left 
for Mark Ingram, this is the game that to play him. I mean, if, if that is the case, if they both come back, this is the game that you could potentially play Mark Ingram if you're stuck at the running back position. But again, that is a big if a big uh, issue uh, because the pass game is not really supporting it in whatsoever as stack boxes are being the problem. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to roll with the Ravens here even to, uh, well, that's a good question. Do I roll with them even without Lamar Jackson? I'm going to have to say yes. Yeah, Even without Lamar Jackson and company, I think the defense will handle them, and I'll still roll with the Baltimore Ravens in this contest. But, I mean, that's it. That's week 13. We got lots of good contests on the board. This The, the week is going to drift into Tuesday, so we got lots of days with lots of football, and then basically Wednesday off and back on Thursday for Thursday Night Football the following week. Barring any uh, unforeseen COVID issues, we should should be good to go at this point for week 13. I mean, it's been a good season thus far. Let's keep it going. We're almost there. Uh, good luck to all the fantasy players this week. I hope uh, the best of luck for you getting into the fantasy playoffs. Like I said, if you take our advice, I hope I helped you a lot. Hope we helped you a lot uh, because, I mean, this is what we do. We grind everything for you guys so that you guys can win your games, and, and we truly appreciate all the support that you've given us. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on twitter at chris underscore adf1 you can find the show on twitter at adf underground give it a follow give it a follow to all the listeners thank you for all the support and until next time stay humble stay peaceful and take care of each other i'm out